Such an awesome outreach, isn't it? You'll want to get involved in the one in February, if you can, if you can come out on Wednesday night. Uh, Pastor Michael and I weren't able to go. We stayed here and manned the fort, but I think we should just have church over there Amen. next time. We'll just shut her down and we'll all go help those kids. So, um, Are you ready for the word this morning? You know, the reason that I'm standing here today instead of Pastor Daniel is that your dear pastor is home with the flu. <laughs> and his daughter is home with the flu. So not only is he trying to recover, he's trying to take care of his baby girl. So we want to lift up our pastor in prayer, the healing power of God's at work in his body. We're declaring it. We're standing with him. But you get me today. So <laughs> yay. <laughs> Ready or not, here we go. So we're going to um, talk, obviously, about Christmas. We can tell by looking around it is Christmas time. But we're going to take a look at the Christmas story. So who knows where we're going to turn to? Luke chapter 1. You are very correct. So we're going to read through Mary's portion, her interaction with the angel. And then we're just going to maybe expound a little bit on some of the verses and see what God has to say to us today. Are you ready? Luke 1, 26 starts, Six months later in Nazareth, a city in the rural province of Galilee, the heavenly messenger Gabriel made another appearance. This time the messenger was sent by God to meet with a virgin named Mary, who was engaged to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David himself. The messenger entered her home. Greetings, you are favored and the Lord is with you. Among all the women on earth, you have been blessed. Uh, the heavenly messenger's words baffled Mary, and she wondered what type of greeting this was. Gabriel said, Mary, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. Listen, you are going to become pregnant. You will have a son. You must name him Savior or Jesus. Jesus will become the greatest man, the greatest among men. He will be known as the son of the highest God. God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over the covenant family of Jacob forever. And Mary replied, but I have never been with a man. How can this be possible? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Most High will overshadow you. That's why this holy child will be known as not just your son, but also as the son of God. It sounds impossible, but listen, you know your relative Elizabeth has been unable to bear children and is now far too old to be a mother, yet she has become pregnant as God willed it. Yes, in three months she will have a son, so the impossible is possible with God. Mary, deciding in her heart, said, here I am, the Lord's humble servant, as you have said, let it be done to me. And we're going to talk about birthing the impossible today in a roundabout way. So Mary is having an interaction here with the angel Gabriel. And this is pretty much, he's giving her her job title. This is going to be her title. She's going to be called the carrier of the Son of God. So he's giving her her job description. Have you ever gotten a job description from somebody? I have also, and they kind of just include, this is what you're going to do. If you're a secretary, you're going to file. You're going to answer the phone. You're going to take notes in minutes. Well, the angel was giving Mary her job description, and he's saying, hey, you're going to get pregnant. You're going to give birth to the Son of God. <laughs> he's going to be an amazing man. You are blessed and highly favored of God. How do you get that job, right? 
I thought about that when I was reading this. How did Mary get this job? It wasn't in the classifieds. She didn't apply for it. She didn't turn in a resume. God divinely picked this young girl. He doesn't tell us why. He doesn't give us any kind of characteristics that she had that made her the person to birth the Son of God. But this was her job. And guess what? Each one of us has a job. Each one of us has a call. Each one of us has a purpose. And God has placed each one of us in the body as he has seen fit. And some of us, from time to time, can get a little discontent with our job title and with our job description. But I'm here to tell you, just sit back and relax. You didn't ask for it. He put you where he wanted you. He put the gifts in you that he wanted to give you. And he has equipped you to do what he's called you to do. Right? Just like he equipped Mary. And we're going to see that in a little bit. So what I want to look at today about birthing the impossible is that Mary had a job title. She was called the carrier of the Son of God. And I just want to tell you what your title is. Everyone's all about titles. You want to be the CEO, the CFO, the CEMO, the ABCDEFG. Your job title, I know I work for a company that's got a lot of initials behind people's names. Like, what does that even, what is CEMO? I don't even know what that means. But your job title is the same as Mary's. I'm telling you today from the Lord, your job title is carrier of the Son of God. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, but this beautiful treasure is contained in us. Cracked pots made of earth and clay so that the transcendent character of this power will be clearly seen. He wants it to be clearly seen. The power that's in you to be clearly seen as coming from God and not from us. Say, I am a carrier of the Son of God. Okay, so we're going to go back to the Christmas story in Luke, and we're going to break this apart. Are you ready? Luke 1, 28 through 30 said, The messenger entered her home. Greetings, you are favored, and the Lord is with you. Among all women on the earth, you have been blessed. The heavenly messenger's words baffled Mary, and she wondered what type of greeting this was. Gabriel said, Mary, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. How many of you want to find favor with God? How many of you have found favor with God? Amen. So when I think of favor, I think of happy days, right? I think that I'm blessed. I think I am prosperous. I think life is good. The favor of God surrounds me, so I am getting a good parking space at the mall when I go in the middle of the day today, and I get and find everything I want on sale because the favor of God is around me. Amen. Who's with me? Favor is a good thing, isn't it? Okay, except for that's not exactly what the favor looked like on Mary's life. <laughs> favor is not just about me. It's not just about self-indulgence. It's not just about my comfort. It's not just about my parking space. It's not just about my sales. Although God is interested in all of that. We're going to see today that favor is also about purpose. And there's sometimes... Where favor in heaven, having favor in heaven, doesn't necessarily look like we have favor on earth. And Mary is a prime example. 
Mary, you are favored. In one translation, it said she was highly favored above all women on the face of the earth. But that didn't actually look like favor on her life. Her fiancé wanted to leave her. How many of you would call yourself favored of God if your spouse wanted to leave you? That wouldn't be a happy day, would it? She was an unwed mother, right? There's a little stigma with that in that day. (laughs) She was likely scorned from her friends and her neighbors. Doubtful that her family believed that the power of God overshadowed her and the spirit came on her and that was how she got pregnant. Oh, is that what you're calling Joseph these days? (laughs) Come on, tell us the truth, what really happened. Would you believe somebody came and told you that? Favor. She's highly favored, but didn't look like favor. I'm pretty sure when Mary was younger, dreaming about having her babies, that she didn't picture herself in a barn. Now, we call it a stable with a manger and all those pretty words, but folks, it was a barn, right? Animals, cows, poop, smells, hay. Am I wrong or am I right? So not sure that I would call that favor. But God said she was highly favored. She wasn't in a warm house with all of her friends and family surrounding her to celebrate the birth of her first son. She was alone and hidden in a barn. I wonder if she looked up and said, all right, God, you said favored, but we've got two different definitions of the word favor here. My definition looks completely different than yours. I say that about my kids and cleaning all the time. We have two different definitions of what thoroughly cleaned means. (laughs) But Mary and God may have had two different definitions of what favor looked like. And there's sometimes when we're walking as carriers of God that we might get scorned or cast aside or talked about. And it might not look like favor. But that's why we can't go by what we see. We can't go by what the circumstances are. We always have to stick to what the word of God says. Amen? Amen. Luke 1, 31 through 33. Listen, you are going to become pregnant. You will have a son and you must name him Savior or Jesus. Jesus will become the greatest among men. He will be known as the son of the highest God. God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over the covenant family of Jacob forever. You're going to get pregnant and have a son, and then you're going to name him Jesus. Hop, skip, and jump right over nine years of Mary's life, didn't it? <laughs> they cover, or nine months, covered nine months in like six words. You're going to get pregnant, you're going to have a baby, name him Jesus. But I want to kind of back up a second to the you're going to get pregnant and have a baby section, because this was something different about Mary's new job. Her new role, her title brought with it some new things that were going to change in her life because everything in Mary's life changed. When she became a carrier of the Son of God, everything changed. She had to grow, right, to make room for him. Everything shifted and adjusted like it does, doesn't it, ladies? Never quite shift back, though, does it? And then, so how she looked changed. It changed how she talked. 
becoming a carrier of the Son of God. Pretty sure she never told Joseph before that the Holy Spirit got me pregnant. <laughs> I don't think those words ever came out of her mouth. She didn't have to go and say that to her parents. She didn't have to ever talk about that before. But it became a part of her everyday life. Her whole vocabulary changed overnight with her new job. It changed how she walked. Have you ever seen a pregnant person walk? When you're newly pregnant, it doesn't change much. But when you're ready to deliver, man, you just can't wait. You can't, nothing looks right <laughs> or is comfortable. So it changed how she acted. It changed how she dressed. It changed how others saw her. Anyone who looked at her could see that she was a carrier of the Son of God. Let that sink in for a second. Now say, I am a carrier of the Son of God. Can people see that in me? Ouch. <laughs> All right, we'll skip on here. <laughs> Being a carrier of the Son of God should change things in our life. It should make a difference. Being a carrier of the power and resurrection life of Almighty God should look different on us. Amen. Amen. It should change how we think. Colossians 3, 1 through 2 says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven not the things of earth. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Brothers and sisters, in light of all I have shared with you about God's mercies, I urge you to offer your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice to God, a sacred offering that brings him pleasure. This is your reasonable, essential worship. Do not allow. You have a choice in that. Do not allow this world to mold you into its image. Let the life and power of God that you carry as a carrier of the Son of God help you to walk up higher. Do not allow this world to mold you into its image. Instead, be transformed from the inside out by the renewing of your mind. As a result, you'll be able to discern what God wills, whatever God finds good and pleasing and complete. Since you are raised to life with Christ, is what Colossians says. Since you have the resurrection life and power and Son of God on the inside of you, something needs to be different. So we want to ask ourselves today, are my thoughts different because the resurrection life of God is on the inside of me? Or have they stayed the same? Is it still doubt and worry? Are my thoughts still consumed with fear or strife or gossip or slander or strife or jealousy? Did I say fear? Have my thoughts changed from what used to be before the power of the living creating God was on the inside of me? Or have they changed to be flooded with life and power and victory and faith, have my mind and my thoughts changed because the resurrection life of God is in me because I'm a carrier of the Son of God. 
Y'all are real quiet today. Are you awake? <laughs> are we good? <laughs> we together? Hanging in there? The resurrection life of God should change everything about me. Being a carrier of the Son of God should change my actions. Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I give you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it yet. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting as mere humans? What he's saying is the life and power of God is in you, so we need to come up here. Come on, come up out of the strife. Come up out of the jealousy. Come up out of the envy. And um, all, he's saying, come on, come up to the level of who you really are. And my kids will say stuff to me all the time. So-and-so gets to do this. So-and-so gets to wear that. How come we can't go here? How come I can't wear that? How come I can't do this? Well, because you're a ligaris. Stinks to be you, honey. Because <laughs> you got me for a mom. We set our standards a little higher by the word of God. So we're going to dress more modestly, or we're going to avoid this, or we're not going to do this, because this is who we are. And that's what Paul's saying here. Come on, this strife, this jealousy, this isn't who you are. The resurrection, life, and power of the living God are in you. You're above this. Come on up. Life is better up here. Should change our actions. Acts 26, 19 through 20. And this is the Apostle Paul when he was pleading his case. And so, King Agrippa, I obeyed that vision from heaven. I preached first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem and throughout all Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that all must repent of their sins and turn to God and prove that they have changed by the good things they do. People could look at Mary and tell she was a carrier of the Son of God. They could tell that there was something different about her. Can they see that I have the resurrection power of God on the inside of me because of the good things that I do? Because I'm acting like Jesus. And this isn't just do's and don'ts. This is not just works because I need to earn some kind of salvation and love. Can they tell that the resurrection life of God is in me because I'm laying hands on the sick and they'll recover? Can they tell the resurrection life and power of God is in me because we command cancer to leave and it obeys? Come on, this is who we are. This is who he made us to be. The resurrection life and power of God should change everything about us. Amen? I love this one, John 13, 35. Everyone will know you as my followers if you demonstrate your love to others. And that's not just a quick hug or a pat on the back. He's talking about living, breathing, walking, everyday love. They'll know we're his followers. They'll be able to tell we're a carrier of the Son of God because we demonstrate our love by going to McGuffey School and hugging on those kids by going to our neighbor 
bringing them those goodies by talking to that lady at work that nobody else will talk to, by sitting at lunch with those kids at school that everybody else rejects. Can somebody look at you and tell that you're a carrier of the Son of God? Paul says continually in the epistles, over and over, put off the old man, put on the new man. Your responsibility, my responsibility. Put off what we used to do and put on what he said to do. Put off anger and strife and put on love and grace. Can people look at me and tell by the peace that I have that I'm a carrier of the Son of God? By the love that I have, by the joy that I have. Well, how can you be so joyful and content when your whole world's fallen apart? I had somebody ask me that one time. I lost my job last October. It was a fabulous job. Let's have a moment of silence for my old job. <laughs> and I was in constant contact with my boss at the time. Everybody did. It dissolved Obamacare, lovely. Obamacare. They didn't need us anymore because we were transcribing and everything went computer. So we all did. And uh, she had done that for 16 years. And I had done it for a few. And, but we, I was talking with her every day. I'm like, it's going to be okay. God's got a plan. He's going to open a door. We'll call doctor's offices. We'll get out there. God's got a plan. God's got a plan. And after about three weeks, she was like, how can you be so upbeat and positive? I said, well, to be honest, for the first three days, I laid in bed and watched Hallmark movies and cried because I was a little depressed. But <laughs> then you pull yourself up by your bootstraps because the resurrection life of God is on the inside of me and I am not going to walk the same that I used to. So I can have joy even if I lost my job because God is a faithful provider. I can have joy if I got a negative report from the doctor because he's a faithful healer. The resurrection life of God is in me and it makes a difference, bless the Lord. Can people see him in me? Amen. All right, let's move on. There's more fun stuff to be had. Luke 1.34. And this is Mary's initial response to her job title. Um, I have never been with a man. How can this be possible? (laughs) Anybody ever have that initial response to anything? I'm not sure that you thought this all the way through. You know, I wonder if Mary looked at the angel and said, all right, listen, not sure you knew this, but I'm not married. I'm a virgin. And so you may have skipped health class up there in heaven, but there's no physical way for that to happen. (laughs) You might need to double check the plan because I think you got it wrong. How is that going to happen? It's natural to think these things. It's natural to try to figure it out. That's how God made you. He made you a reasoning person. However, we don't want to stay in reason, right? It's natural to try to understand. Luke 1, 35 through 37. And this is how the angel answered her, just answered her question. Look at his split. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the Most High will overshadow you. 
That's why this holy child will be known as not just your son, but also as the son of God. It sounds impossible, but listen. You know your relative Elizabeth has been unable to bear children and is now far too old to be a mother. Yet she has become pregnant as God willed it. Yes, in three months she will have a son. So the impossible is possible with God. Here's your answer, Mary. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Most High will overshadow you. So Mary said, oh, <laughs> that makes total sense. I get it now. He's going to come upon me. He's going to overshadow me. And I'm just going to get pregnant. That's not how the, the health books say. <laughs> but, you know, I understand. Let's, let's move on with the plan because I completely understand. Is that what Mary said? No. Mm-mm. In fact, even though it's natural to want to understand, that's kind of not how God works. I've never seen him in the Bible say, try to figure it out. I've only ever seen him say, trust me. <laughs> in the Old Testament, if you read back through all the Old Testament men of faith, and I love them, I love to read about Abraham and Moses and Joshua and Gideon, where God gave them great and mighty things to do that were just really hard, you know, and they were, he was encouraging them and giving them a pep talk. And he never gave them the plan, really, the whole plan, did he? All he said was, I will be with you. And that should be enough. So he didn't give Mary the whole plan. He gave her a vague description of what might happen, but there's no way she understood. I don't understand that. Anybody understand how exactly that worked? No, because we don't need to understand. We, human nature, want it to all make sense. I need to know every step. Can I have the plan, the blueprint, the one, two, three, four, five, six, finished, victory, done, over. Can I see it all in black and white? Who's with me? I am a, I am a planner, aren't I, baby? <laughs> I'm a planner. I think far out in advance. I want to see how it's all going to fit through. And if he comes home with some exciting, let's do this, I'm like, okay, well, should think about this or this or this or this or this. And then he gets all deflated. <laughs> like, okay, we got to learn to work together. So I'm like, I'm just saying, just saying, let's do this plan, but let's think it through before we get it done. But that's not how God works. Even when he's asking you to do something difficult, especially when he's asking you to do something difficult. And really, if it's not him asking you to do something impossible, I'd go back and check it out because he's an impossible kind of God. Because if it's just difficult, you still kind of have ability in that, right? And you can lean back on your knowledge and you can lean back on your ability and it doesn't take quite as much trust. So if God's asking you to do something impossible, jump in with both feet. Because it's going to be all his power. It's going to be all glory. Amen? Oh, we're going to go somewhere with that. Hold on. Luke one thirty-eight. Mary, deciding in her heart, said, Here I am, the Lord's humble servant. As you have said, let it be done unto me. And the heavenly messenger was gone. So this was Mary's final answer. Her initial response was, I have no idea what you're talking about. Help me to understand. I'm looking for some information here. But her final answer was, I really don't understand. But let's go with it. <laughs> I don't have to understand because as long as you understand, we're good to go. 
You understand what you're doing? All right, let's do it. Show me what I need to know now. Show me what I need to know today. And let me just do that. You know, I was a little overwhelmed last week with the thought of everything coming for Christmas, the baking and the wrapping and the blah, 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 which I'm really not that far into. And there's only four more sleeps. So I'm <laughs> okay, a little panicked. And someone at work told me, um, I made mention of, are you, well, are you ready? And she goes, no, you know what? Somebody gave me this advice a long time ago, and it really stuck with me. Just do the next thing. And that's really, as a carrier of the Son of God, one who trusts, like Mary, we're looking at her here. I trust you. I don't have to understand. I'm just going to do the next thing. And he's not asking us to understand. We want to figure it out. We want to have the whole outline. We want to understand. And we want to kind of work with him on that. Because usually our next answer would be, um, I, okay, but wait. It's not the right timing. Don't you know I have teenage kids who are involved in a thousand different sports? How am I going to do that? Oh, wait a minute, John. You're asking me to give what? Don't you know that I don't have that? I don't have any extra? That's all I have, and you want me to give that away? Or, uh, oh, I could never do that because I'm insecure. I, there, I am just really insignificant. What I have to say, what I have to do, what I would have to give, it would be nothing. What is my $5 going to do? What is my word of encouragement going to do? What is me going over to that McGuffey school? How is that going to make a difference? I don't really matter. I have an answer for that. You ready? It's a good answer. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. And finally, he said to me, Paul, my grace is enough to cover and sustain you, and my power is made perfect in weakness. And one translation says, my power works best in weakness. And he's saying, my power works best in your lack. And my power works best with your insignificance. And my power works best with your insecurity. And my power works best with your sickness. Because guess what? My power is greater than anything you're facing. And it doesn't matter. Come up here. Carry the Son of God. Let the resurrection power of God that's on the inside of you make a difference. But you have to let it. I remember I went to Bible school. I mean, I was a year or two into walking with the Lord. And I was clear as day sitting, remember this? My whole life I will remember this. Sitting in my living room, studying something I learned at school, just getting all kinds of knowledge. And he said, when are you going to let what you're learning affect your life? <laughs> I was just so excited to learn it and to know it. I didn't know he was my healer. I didn't know the authority I had. I didn't know I was a carrier of the power of God. So I'm learning and I'm learning and I'm finding it out and it was just so good. But I was just learning. 
I wasn't letting an impact my life or the life of people around me. His power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul changed. Instead of asking God to remove it, he said, so ask me about my thorn. Inquire about my weaknesses and I will gladly go on and on. I would rather stake my claim in these than have the power of the anointed one at home in me. Because when I'm at, I am at peace and even take pleasure in any weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and afflictions for the sake of the anointed, because when I am at my weakest, he makes me strong. Let the resurrection power of God make a difference. Some of us circle. We go through these cycles and we just cycle around and Monday we're happy and Tuesday we're depressed and Wednesday we're just tired and hump day and Thursday this and Friday that. And it's just the same old cycle because the pattern, it's the pattern that's been built in our life. Well, if I'm tired, I'm just edgy. No, you're not. If you're tired, then you're just depending more on the strength of God that's on the inside of you. Well, if I don't eat, I just get grumpy. No. I know I could raise my hand on that one. Anyone, anyone get hangry? <laughs> we all have growth areas. Say, I am a work in progress. Amen. We all are. We give excuses as to why we cannot. I don't have the ability. I have lack. I don't have this. I don't have that. God isn't looking at your ability. He's not looking at my ability. I probably would have been voted, oh, I clearly would have been voted in high school the least likely to ever be found in a church. Ever be found in a church. Let alone preaching. I was so shy. I had speech impediments when I was growing up, and then sometimes they did come back. And, and if I'm talking real fast, then my R's come out funny, and my daughter makes fun of me, and then it's all good. <laughs> I have had so many conversations with the Lord about, are you sure you want me doing this? Because I was shy. I was backwards. I stink at small talk. I have gotten better, but I'm just I'm shy, loner. To go up and meet new people on purpose and have to talk to them was not in my repertoire at all. I'm like, Lord, I think you got the wrong person. And then how about any time maybe you miss it and get hangry or irritated and edgy and aren't acting like the resurrection life of God is living in you, then you, you know what? I probably wouldn't use me either if I were you. Anybody else ever say that? God's not looking for perfect vessels. He's looking for humble. I will be a carrier of the Son of God. But we have to know, he stole my line, we have to know what's in us to be able to use it. You can't use something you don't know you have. 
You can ask me for a pen right now, and I'd probably tell you I don't have one, but I bet you if I go look in my purse, I have a pen. But I can't give it to you if I don't know it's there. You can't use something that you don't know you have. But guess what? You are a carrier of the Son of God. You have all the power and life of God you need. Because he, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, lives in you. The one who created everything you see lives in you. You have the same power of God living in you. And he needs it to come out of you. Mary didn't carry the Son of God permanently, did she? She wasn't eternally pregnant. He had to come forth. She carried him to bring him forth into this earth. And we don't have the life and power and Son of God in us just to keep us happy, just to help us have a good day, just so I have power. I have power, but fooey on all you. Fooey on my neighbors and coworkers. Too bad if they need it. Mary, that's not what happened. And that's not what God intends. He's looking for a church who knows who they carry. He's looking for a church who's not afraid of cancer because they know when they speak, it's just as powerful as when Jesus spoke and that cancer has to go. We have been praying and declaring and watching for miracles. Have we seen them yet? Trickling. But they're going to flood Why? Because we're becoming a body that's aware of who lives within and we're letting him come out. He's looking for a church who trusts him. Who when he says act, they act. And so many times we just wait for everything to line up. All right, Lord, if you do this first and this first and this first and this first, and I see all these things happen, I'll know it's a sign, and I'll just jump in the water, and I'll do what you said to do. Now, when the children of Israel were being released from Egypt and Moses came up to the Red Sea, all he had to do was raise his staff, the water parted, it dried up, they saw it first, And then they walked across on dry ground. But when Joshua was bringing the army and the people over to the sea, it was the Jordan River, those priests had to step into the raging water before they saw any change. He said, cross over with the ark. And they walk right up to the edge. All right, Lord, back that water off. If you do this, this, and this first, I will carry the Son of God across. (laughs) I will carry your presence across. And he goes, nope. 
in you go. They had to step in first. He's looking for a church who's trusting him enough. Say, I don't understand it, but I'll act on it. I don't understand all the steps, but if you just give me the next one, I'll do it. You tell me to pray for somebody, I'll pray. We are carriers of the Son of God, and it's not just for us. It's for this lost and dying world that's around us. He needs us to carry his power, his river, his spirit, his life, his healing, his word to our neighbor, to our coworker, to those around us. And I, I, we're just a few minutes over. Can I have just a few minutes more? We have really... <laughs> Some people might disagree with you, but just a couple more minutes. Hang with me just a couple more minutes. I have been praying last few years. I'd come in here on off times just a few times and pray. But every time, banging on the walls, you're not big enough. You're not big enough. You need to get bigger. And seeing just wave after wave. And I'm not just talking Myrtle Beach waves. We've been to the North Shore of Oahu in October, and those waves are bigger. And in January, they're 40, 50, 60 feet tall. And I saw wave after wave crashing in of his glory and his power, and he's filling us up, and he's healing us. And he's just been doing such a work in the body. Waves. Have any of you felt the waves? So last Sunday, I couldn't come to church. My kids, little kidlets, were sick. So I was home with them. But I was praying upstairs, and instead of, I saw the river, but I, I didn't see the waves coming. Where are the waves? And what I saw was the river going out, going that way. And the last, I, I usually try to get a word for the year. Lord, what is this year going to be? towards the end of the year, and we're at the end of the year. How is it almost 2015? How did that happen? My son has his permit now. Lord, he's going to be driving in 2015. But um, the 2011, 12, and 13, my, my word was the same. It was trust. took me a little while to get it. <laughs> Anyone ever take a little longer to get something? This year it was contend, which I didn't like that word because it means work, <laughs> and you have to stand, and you have to work, and dig in, and, and contend for some things, and it was that kind of year, but the word I'm getting for 2015 is carrier. It's coming out. It's going out. We come in and get filled up like a sponge, like SpongeBob. We get all filled up, but don't touch me, because I want to keep it all for myself. No! Touch me, touch me, because you need it. The purpose of filling up a cup is to pour it out. Amen? So are you ready to take the challenge? Are you ready for him to birth the impossible in you? Are you ready to lay hands on the sick and watch him recover? Say, I am a carrier of the Son of God, the life of God, the power of God. When I speak... Sickness leaves. When I speak, cancer leaves. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
We're going to carry the power of the Son of God to this world. He's coming soon, and he's ready for us to just reap that final harvest. Amen? Amen. Well, Pastor Michael was preaching a little bit earlier, and I thought he was going to take the whole service. Probably could have. It was a good word. But I did this first service, caught him off guard, but he is actually going to do the blessing today. I was going to bless today, but you know what? He's got some fire about the authority. Let's just pray real quick, and then I'll have him bless you. Father, I thank you for this word and fire that you have shut up in our bones about being a carrier of the Son of God. And I pray, Father, if it hasn't ignited to full flame yet, that as we walk out these doors, you'll ignite a fire. When we get up in the morning, you'll ignite a fire. When we go to say something, we'll be thinking, is this what resurrection life says? When we go to do something, we'll be thinking, is this what resurrection life does? We'll let that resurrection life make a difference on the inside of us. Father, I pray that you'll bring people across our path this week that need the life of God and that it will flow out of us and we'll release it just like Mary did in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Just for the record, um, if I ever come home with a phenomenal idea, it just takes her a little bit longer to get on board with it. That's all. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Let's stand together. I love my wife. She is a good woman, and she is a woman who loves the Word of God. Um, I was sharing with you guys a little earlier, and I was sharing with the, uh, the folks in the worship team back, uh, back in the conference room right before service. We, we always just like to take a moment and get in, get in line, get, get ready for the, what, what the service has, what God would have for us. This last couple weeks... Um, Pastor Dan Prox and I have been kind of goading one another on. We, we like to do this thing uh, where we just kind of encourage one another. We'll, we'll shoot each other this text, and it just says, M-M-O-G. And it just means mighty man of God. And so I want to tell you guys today, you are mighty men and women of God. And this is the, this is the topic of this goading. We've, been, we've really gotten a hold of the authority of God the authority that God has given us. And there's just some really interesting, uh, there's, something that, there's something that I'm going to birth here soon uh, regarding the authority. But I want to bless you guys with, this, uh, with, the, with the understanding of the fact that you have this authority that she was talking about today. So can we just lift our hands? And again, prayer is prayer, prophecy is prophecy, but blessing is blessing. And I'm going to bless you with this today because I believe that this is what God has for us today. I want you to take a hold of this and I want you to chew on it. I want you to, like it's a big steak, I want you to chew on it all day. Father, I bless this family in the name of Jesus with the knowledge and the understanding of the authority that you have given us. I bless this family with the ability to speak and to see those things come to pass just as a police officer would hold up his hand and say, nope, you can't come any further. This same family will hold up their hand and say, Nope, sickness, you can't come any further. Poverty, you can't come any further. Family problems, you can't come any further because peace rules and reigns here. Because of the authority that comes with the, the, the death, burial, and the re- resurrection, that authority is on the inside of you according to the Word of God. Amen? And so, Father, I bless them right now with the understanding that they have the authority. Open their eyes, open their ears, and open their hearts, Father, to receive even this week as you would speak to them 
understanding nuggets, rhema nuggets from on high. You are more than a conqueror. You are a mighty woman of God. You are a mighty man of God. It shall not be just as it always has been. (laughs) Brother Ken, as I'm looking at you right now, you need to know this. As surely as I'm standing here, the waves are lapping up on your feet. He says, I'm getting ready to overwhelm you. It shall not be as it always has been. You've walked in it. You've seen it. You've said, God, show it to me. Show it to me. Show it to me. And he's saying 2015 is the year that I'm going to show it to you. A new level of authority. 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 A new level of authority to where you will say, no, this will not happen any longer. I will not see myself and my family walk from paycheck to paycheck. I will not do this anymore. But you have to pull yourself up by the bootstraps like she said. There are moments where you get a revelation. There are moments where you have to say, no, devil, I'm not doing this any longer. This is it. This is it. I bless you with the ability to see and understand and know. Now is the time to speak. Now is the time to open your mouth. Now is the time to declare that 2015 will not be as 2014 was. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. God bless you. God bless you. Listen, I know we're over. Christmas Eve is coming. A couple more days. Four and six. Don't forget. Four and six. Love you, y'all. We'll see you soon.